you have your Bible, go ahead and turn there, Matthew chapter 6, as we come to the conclusion of the Lord's Prayer uh, this week, and we kind of wrap it up with the last phrase, the last thought in that prayer. Uh, over the last four weeks, what we've been doing is simply reminding ourselves that as we start a new year, if we are a church that believes prayer is important, um, we said, why not start the year with an emphasis on prayer then? And so this year, what we decided to do was to take the Lord's Prayer, break it down, and see what we could learn from that as we enter into 2024. I hope you've been enjoying the last uh, four weeks, and, and as we walk to our conclusion this week, I hope that you're picking up on the themes and the, the, the things that Jesus has been, has been talking about, reminding us that, that as we come to prayer, Jesus is giving us a model of, of, or an example of how to approach God. That these aren't the words, just pray these words and everything will go well. I mean, we can pray those words and we can believe that everything will go well, but I don't think that Jesus was giving us a word-by-word formula for prayer. I think what Jesus was giving us was using this language, an approach to prayer. How do we see God in prayer? How do we come to God in prayer? And what do we learn about him? What do we learn about who God is? And what do we learn about ourselves as we come to God? And remember, week after week after week, I said, we're not talking about prayer posture. Do I stand? Do I sit? Do I lay down? Do I raise my hands? Do I fold my hands? Do what you want. We're not talking about prayer practices? Is there an acronym that I can follow to keep prayer simple? Is there a specific way that I should do it? We're not talking about practices. We're just talking about an approach. That if I understood what Jesus was trying to say when he used these words, how would I view God? And we said, bring all your requests. No request is too great. No request is too small. Nothing is is too beyond God's reach. Nothing is too mundane for him to consider for us. Bring it all. Bring your bucket of needs to God. It is, it is wholly acceptable to bring what is on your heart and on your mind. So we're not talking about posture. We're not talking about practice. We're not talking about weeding out the right the right things to bring to God in prayer. Bring it all. And when we bring it all, pray in this way. And as we looked at this, I hope that you've uh, picked up on the intimacy and the sovereignty and the power that God wants us to pray, pray with. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. We looked at, the, the, the again, the intimacy, the power, the sovereignty of a Father who is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Reminding ourselves of the challenge of really surrendering our hearts and in our lives in prayer. That it's not my will, that it's got to be God's will. And it come, we come to that point of, of surrender for that. Give us this day our, our daily bread. The confidence that we live knowing that, that God as our Father cares for us. Cares about our daily needs and is faithful, faithful to provide those daily needs. It's not just a reminder that that God wants us to pray. It's a reminder that God is faithful to provide for us. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Again, the intimacy of forgiveness. 
the forgiving of people, not just the forgiving of actions. This idea of intimacy inside of relationship coupled with the importance of exercising that with others. And then we come to this last, this last phrase in verse 13. And it says this, And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Jesus ends this prayer approach with, with a direct appeal uh, for us to, to keep watch and to keep alert. That temptation is always around us. That temptation is always a, a, a breath away from where we live. And so Jesus says, as you pray and as you approach God, as you think about who God is and you also think about who you are, and as we think about how do we live in this kingdom, how do we live as Christ followers, Jesus reminds us, hey, 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 don't forget, temptation is only a breath away. So as you approach God, maybe, maybe one thing we need to pay attention to is the temptations that are in our life. That we need to look at our heart and our spirit. That we need to look at, am I just living a surface life with God or do I really want to go deeper with him? Do I want a depth of relationship? Do I want to to really understand where my temptations come from, where my my, uh, sinful actions uh, are generated from? Do I really want to try to resist temptation. It's a direct appeal for us to keep watch and to keep alert because the evil one is prowling around looking to destroy us. It's something that we have to keep in mind, I think, on a regular basis. That the enemy of God, the devil, Satan, however we want to say it, is looking to destroy our lives. The enemy of God wants to destroy everything that God has created and put his touch on. And that includes you and me. And if Satan can get into our, into our heart and into our mind and into our spirit and lead us in ways that tempt us to do things that are broken, Things that bring not health and not life, but actually bring death to our spirit. If Satan can, can just find that, that little sliver in our, in our spirit to just weave his way into our lives, the enemy will do that so as to destroy us and keep us from the goodness that God has for us. I don't know how often we think about that, day to day. I don't know how often churches talk that directly about it now day to day. Remember in the fall, we, we talked about, we talked in, the, in our Holy Roar series that, that, that this was the premise. The premise was the enemy wants to destroy us. What are we going to do about it? And just another gentle reminder that the enemy does not want us to live the life that God has for us but to pull us away. And so the enemy is a whisper away, 
a whisper away, tempting us to pull us away from what God has for us. To live the life that is filled with, with energy and, and vitality. To live the life of goodness that God wants. And so Jesus, as he's teaching us to pray, says a good prayer may be a daily reminder to resist the temptation. Deliver us not into temptation. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Paul reminds us that, that this temptation is, is a daily thing that happens, right? In the, he wrote to the church in Ephesus to be on guard, to stand on guard for what happens every single day of our lives, that we should be people who wake up and, and in, a, in, a, in an image or as a metaphor put on Put on not not physical armor, but spiritual armor. Why? Because the enemy and the evil forces of darkness in this world scheme against us. Now, you and I may think, well, I don't, you know, I feel like I'm a pretty good person. I feel like I'm 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 kind of okay. Like I don't I don't go out in life every day looking to devour other people. So yeah, I'm, I might be a a pretty good person, but the reality that we have to wrestle with is that the enemy does not often confront us with temptation or with evil face to face. Paul uses this word scheme. The enemy schemes against us. Again, just kind of wiggles his way into our thoughts, wiggles his way into our mind, whispers things into our spirit that may be untrue, leads our eyes to think, look at things that perhaps we shouldn't, leads our mind to think about things that, and create stories and narratives that aren't true about other people, that the enemy schemes against us to lead our, our language and our vocabulary and the spoken word against somebody else, not to bring them up, but to tear them down. And we see it time and time again. And again, we, we don't talk about it that way. Right? We just say, I'm, you know, I'm having a hard day. Or, I'm, you know, it's, it's a challenge today. Or, 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 this isn't really gossip. I just need to tell you something. Right? The scheming to get in any crack. Paul wrote to the Ephesians. He said, look, the schemes of the devil. I want you to be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil, against the spiritual forces of darkness and wickedness in the heavenly places. Where does this stuff come from? It comes, we have to believe in the spiritual darkness in the heavenly places. Because that is what is coming against us as people and us as a church. And Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, stand guard. To be ready. The application of Jesus' prayer in Matthew chapter 6. God, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Well, how do I do that? Paul writes, stand guard. Take up the armor of God that you may resist the enemy. 
And so Jesus calls us to be proactive in prayer against the temptations of the day. Now, the phrasing of Matthew 6 may may lead some of us to think that maybe, well, or, or, wait a minute, hang on, let me see that. Lead us not into temptation. Is God leading me to temptation? Is God the one that leads me into temptation? And while some Bible translations may make it seem like that, we, we sit there and go, this doesn't seem right. This doesn't feel right. We realize that from other scripture that, that God is not the one tempting us or leading us into temptation. I mean, James writes in chapter one, he says, let no one say that when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil and he himself does not tempt anyone. The evil one through the schemes and the practices come against us. And so James continues, verse 14, temptation comes from our own desires. When the schemes of the enemy sneak into the cracks and the crevices of our life, he tempts us with our own desires of our, of our flesh, which entices us and drags us away. Have we sinned yet? Not yet. Verse 15. The desire gives birth to sinful action. The desire gives birth to sinful action when we act on it. The temptation isn't the sin. The temptation is the temptation. But when we act on it, when we act on it, sin is allowed to grow. And it gives birth to death. You ever been involved in something you know you shouldn't be involved in? And when you're done, if you're honest with yourself, you don't feel better. But in some way, you feel more broken. Sin gives way to death. The evil one, through their schemes, tempts us. Matthew's writing Jesus' prayer. The idea is not that that no temptation ever ever uh, comes upon Jesus' followers. Jesus isn't saying don't don't let temptation ever come upon my followers, but just a reminder that that God does not allow His followers, but but a prayer that God would you not allow my followers to be overcome by temptation. Lead us not into temptation. Don't let them be overcome. By temptation. Jesus' petition should be understood in a permissive sense, that is, that, that God not allow his children to fall into temptation, not actually bring the temptation. Temptation's coming. I, I wish I had better news for you today. Kind of a downer day, right? Temptation's coming. Evil's coming. We're gonna have to deal with it, right? You don't wanna fight, you don't wanna wrestle, too bad. You gotta fight, you gotta wrestle. It's coming. But here's the thing. God is the one who delivers us. God is the one who fights with us. God is the one who fights for us. And Jesus' prayer is simply this. Remind yourself. Remember, remember, temptation's coming. Don't fall into it. God, don't let them fall into this temptation. Instead, work your power. Work your power and deliver them from the evil one. Work your power and, and hold on to them. 
Don't, don't for one minute, you and I, believe that we in our own strength, with some kind of Christian bravado or machismo, right? I'm going to the men's breakfast next week. Pretty good guy. Got my Jesus thing going on. Prayed today. Took communion. I even sang one of the songs. I got this temptation thing down. I can stand against it. Jesus, Jesus is saying, remember when you pray that God is your source of strength and power to not lead you further into the temptation that the enemy will bring you, but will deliver you from it. Jesus is imploring us to ask God for help. That's what this sentence is all about. Jesus is imploring us, please ask God for help. Do you wrestle with something? Is there an addiction that you have? Is there something that you keep tripping over in your life? Ask God for help. That when you pray, ask God for help. That we wouldn't be led further into temptation, but that we would resist temptation. That we would be delivered from the evil one. I was thinking about it this morning. It just came up and I don't have this on the screen because I was just thinking it just popped in my head this morning. Deliver us from the evil one. Do we hear an echo anywhere from the Old Testament? An echo anywhere from the Old Testament. Exodus chapter 3. Moses is minding his business, walking around, right? And all of a sudden, there's a burning bush. And as he approaches the bush, God speaks to Moses. And in in Exodus chapter 3, mark this down again, it's not on the screen. Exodus chapter 3, verse 7. The Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people. Notice the language here. Notice the language. I've seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. They're in bondage, right? Slaves in Egypt, because that's, that's not their home. I've surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have given heed to their cry because of their taskmasters, for I am aware of their suffering, verse 8, so I have come down to deliver them. I have come down to de- deliver them. So much in here. I didn't expect to go here today, so can you bear with me for one moment? The God who comes down to us. Did you catch that? So I have come down to do... Not, don't read over that so quickly. Find me another religion in our culture today where the God has come down to deliver his people. Instead of saying, would you please work harder to come up to where I am? God has said, I have come down to deliver. So I've come down to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them up. What does he do? Bring them up from the land that they are in to a good and spacious land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to a place on the of the Canaanite and all those other people that live there. 
Did you hear the echo? Jesus, what did Jesus say? And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. What has God been saying throughout the entire Old Testament? I have come to deliver my people from where you are in bondage to the freedom that I have for you, to a land that you are in and where you are slaves driven by a taskmaster, to a land that is free and flowing with goodness, with milk and honey, everything that you can, all this goodness for you. God God has delivered his people from, from bondage and slavery and he's brought them to a charcuterie board of anything that you want, the goodness of God, He has come to deliver them. What does Jesus teach His people to pray in Matthew chapter 6? Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. God, would you continue to do what you've been doing from the start? Remember in week one, what was, the, what was the first line of, of the Lord's Prayer? Our Father. And I said to you, there's an allusion there back to the Old Testament of the Father who has come to deliver his people. Jesus continues to drive that throughout the prayer. And now he comes to the end and he says, pray. How do I pray to God? Pray this way. God, would you keep moving in power and deliver me the way that you've been delivering people for centuries. Would you bring me, continue to bring me to that place of your goodness and your blessing? Now, at the end of this passage, I hope it was okay that I just kind of stepped out of my notes for that for a minute. Because at the end of the passage, we get this little this this weird thing that happens in some of our translations and some of the Bibles that we have. And for many of us, you can tell, you can tell the different um, uh, uh, religious uh, upbringing that we've had when we all try to recite this prayer, right? Because we all recite it from different backgrounds, right? And we've got our, we've got our debt and debtors and our, and our people that don't like debt and debtors, right? And we use the other phrase, right? Deliver us from our trespasses and trespassors, right? So you got to figure that one out. But then you get to this last one, right? And if you're in a group of people, I remember hearing this, like, I remember doing this when we were um, in, uh, we were doing middle school football. And before we go out into the, onto the field, one of the things that we do is you stop and you pray the Lord's Prayer. Never really understood that because the next few words that came out of the coach's mouth weren't so sanctified, but... We did. We did. Okay. Well, I'm not going to argue, right? We did. Our father, and everybody was in it, right? Our father, right? Um, and then we got to the end. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And then six people, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory. And everybody else was just kind of like, what are you doing? Wait. Because this last phrase, I left it in the brackets for your kingdom. Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. It's not in every Bible. It's not in every Bible. And some of us may be wondering, why, why do like some, like half our church doesn't quote this at the end. What's wrong with them? Right? And then it's like, and then it's like, why is this here? And why is it not in other Bibles? And why is it, what's the deal? 
And the reality is, I, I just wanted to draw attention to this this morning, not spend a lot of time on it, but just help you understand um, that if you see that notation, you may have a notation at the bottom of your Bible, that, especially if it's in brackets. Or if you're using a digital uh, version, you may have a, a reference. But it, it will often indicate that the earliest manuscripts don't include this phrase. The earliest manuscripts don't include this phrase. Not to get too deep in the weeds with scholarly work with you this morning, simply stated in ancient writings that have been copied over hundreds of years, the rule of thumb is to trust the earliest manuscript as the most reliable. So the New Testament that we have has been copied over hundreds, thousands of years by different scribes down through the generations. And the rule of thumb is if there's, if there's this kind of, this kind of why is it here but, but not in others, we trust the earliest manuscripts as the most reliable. While some transitions will completely exclude the phrase, others will include it, but will give us a heads up that just, just so you know, this was not in the original manuscript. Now, what do you and I do with that? Right? What do you and I do with that? Let me give you three things to do with that. All right? First, understand that there's no theological discrepancy. The words that were at the bottom of that does not in any way violate any theology in the rest of those scriptures, Old Testament or New Testament. Doesn't violate it at all. In fact, some New Testament scholars believe that, that whoever and added this, and whenever they did, they may have had in mind, they may have had in mind First Chronicles chapter 29, verses 11 through 13. Look at this. This is David's prayer over Solomon as their uh, to God over Solomon's uh, uh, ascension and the dedication of the temple in First Chronicles chapter 29. It says this, yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory. And the majesty, indeed, everything that is in the heavens and on the earth. Yours is the dominion, O Lord, and you exalt yourself as head over all. Verse 12. Both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all, and your hand is power and might, and it lies in your hand to make great and to strengthen everyone. Now, therefore, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. So does this phrase that we have in Matthew, does it contradict other scriptures? No. But we have to understand that, that the scriptures for many generations were oral traditions that were passed down and people were, were copying them down. And it's possible, scholars believe, it's possible that in some of the oral traditions that were copied down after the earliest manuscripts, that as they talked about, hey, do you remember when Jesus taught the Lord's Prayer? Remember when they did that? Think about this orally in your town or in your village. Remember when he said, your, your, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name? Well, he didn't really say art and thy, but that's okay. Um, 
And he said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as and give us this day our daily bread, forgive us our trespasses, lead us not in temptation, and deliver us from evil. You remember that? And I bet there was somebody in the back of the room that said, yeah, and they were getting all excited because of that verse. And somebody said, yeah, and, and, and yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And they were all like, yeah, write that down. Because they were remembering First Chronicles. So, is there a discrepancy in theology? Not at all. Does it violate any kind of, of theological direction? Not at all. It, I would argue it magnifies it from the Old This is why you can't unhitch the Old Testament from the New Testament. Can't do it. So, the first thing I would say is this. There's no discrepancy. The second thing I would say is accept it for what it is. Accept it for what it is. It's a benediction to a great section of Scripture that may have been added by some scribes later. Okay. That's a good, that's a good benediction, right? Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. It's taken right from First Chronicles. That's, that's, that, that dog will hunt. That's a good, that's a good benediction right there. Right? Third. What do we do with that? Third. Just be at peace in mind. Be at peace in your mind, as N.T. Wright would say. The Bible that we have is the one that God intended us for it to have. The Bible that we have is the one that God intended us to have. Here, let me, let me rephrase that. These are not issues to get agitated over. Okay? A little parenthesis at the end of a prayer, a section of scripture at the start of a chapter that is not in the earliest manuscripts, but in no way violates the, the theology of scripture or the practices of Jesus, not something that we should get agitated over. Instead, just ask the question, what could I learn from this? And where do I see this replicated in the rest of the gospel or the scripture narratives? So that's my little encouragement with those with that ending of the Lord's Prayer. Now, five weeks we've been talking about this. What do we do with it? How do I practically apply this to my life? How do I live this out? What, what are some, what are some, give me something. We, a lot of us, a lot of us are doers, right? I need something to do with this, right? I don't want to just think about it. I just want to do something. What, what can I do with this? So, I've got three options for you, three things to consider, okay? First of all, first of all, I would ask you to consider this, that to pray one phrase per day during the week. Pray one phrase per day for a week. Our Father who art in heaven, that's Monday. Tuesday, hallowed be your name. Wednesday, I lost my place in the scripture. Right? Pray one phrase a day. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses. We forgive those who trespass. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. And then come on Sunday. For yours is the kingdom and the power. You know, get all excited about that one. And, and 
I know, like some of you, well, that's not seven phrases. It's going to bleed over. It's not going to be seven days. It's going to be nine days. And now, listen, 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 just do what you want. All right. Get the idea, right? Get the idea. All right. Pray a phrase a day. Make your own phrase. From that, not make up your own. Divide it however. Just pray one phrase a day, though. And just just maybe ask God, what would I see today, God, if I truly just focused my prayer life and my day on this, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. What would happen today? And just see what happens. So one phrase a day for a week. And then maybe next month, repeat that. Okay? Secondly, secondly, um, multiply, multiply your prayer time by 10, right? 10% increase, 10%, 10% increase, not multiply it by 10, 10%, 10% increase. Ten, here's what I mean. Here's what I mean. Think about it in terms of time. How, how much time do I spend in prayer right now? Okay. I'm not going to ask you to go, go spend three hours in prayer. I'm going to ask you, is it possible? Do you have enough margin in your day to increase the time that you spend in prayer by 10%? Okay. So what does that mean? Well, if I spend 10 minutes in prayer, I increase it by all my math people, one minute. Right? So if I tell you, if I tell you increase your prayer initiative by 10%, some of us might be freaking out. But listen, if I'm talking 10 minutes, it's one minute, right? 20 minutes, two minutes, you got it, right? So time, think about it as in time. How could I increase my prayer time by 10%? Now, here's a second one. How about, how about the people that you pray with? How many people do you pray with? This one's you got to do like calculus here, Right? Because if I pray with zero, what's 10% of zero? Now, don't get all like on me, right? Add one other person, right? Add one other person to your prayer team. Maybe it's not every day. Maybe it's once a week. Maybe it's in your small group. Add one other person. Add two other people. Add three other people. Increase it by 10%. How about this one? Increase the number of your requests that you make to God by 10%. Here's what we didn't touch. Now, now the, the, the richness of prayer in the New Testament is, is vast. We just scratched the surface. And cause, cause there are passages where Jesus says, just says, hey, if you pray in faith for anything believing, I'm going to answer your prayer. Boy, we love those ones, don't we? So here's what I'm asking. What's on your list right now? Can you increase it by 10%? I've got four things I'm praying for. Increase it by 10%. I've got, now I've got 4.4 things I'm praying for, right? Who gets a quarter prayer of what? Increase your list and see what God would do. Increase the number of things you're praying for and see how God answers and moves. Because maybe the next thing that God wants to answer in your life is the thing that's not even on our list yet. I don't know. So uh, pray a phrase one day per week, per week, increase by 10%. And then this last one, uh, 
Join the pastor's prayer partners. Join the pastor's prayer partners. Um, I've been talking to uh, Dan Maley, and uh, we are we are bringing back this um, uh, the pastor's prayer prayer partners. So beginning in March, um, we're bringing our prayer partner teams back together. And this was, if you're not familiar with this, or this is what we're doing with it, uh, for a long time, uh, people from our congregation, people like you and me, would get together once a month on Sunday morning, and during the worship service, we would pray for the church and its ministries. How many of you were ever involved in that before? A couple people. And... Um, we talked to, we've been talking about this for a couple months and felt like this, this was a good time to unveil it and make the ask as a point of application from this series. And so what we're asking is, is for, for a, two groups of people, one at the first service and one at the second to get together. We'd probably start in the prayer room behind the stage and, um, pray for the entire service for different things as the service is going on. Uh, to support the, the worship, to support the preaching, to support the ministries that are going on during that hour. We're, 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 here's what, we're, here's the ask. Okay. Here's the ask. I want to be clear on this. Um, we're going to start 10 minutes before the service starts. So that's why you see, uh, 920 and 1050. All right. Would be when we start. So we're going to start 10 minutes before the service starts. And that's when I'll, I'll meet with the team and I'll pray with the team for the first 10 minutes. When that's over, I'll come back in here and, and do what I need to do in here. They will remain in prayer and they'll pray as a group for 20 to 25 minutes on, we'll give them prayer requests and needs and things that, that are going on here at the church. Pray for 20, 25 minutes. Then they're going to divide into groups, two or three or however many they can do it. And for the next 25 minutes, they're just going to walk around the building praying for the ministries that are going on uh, as they as they're in prayer going and praying for the children's ministry, for the student ministry, for what's happening here, maybe up there and praying for the tech team that, that's doing a great job week to week, but walking through the building and praying for different people and different needs. So three, three ways we're breaking up that hour um, to make it effective and helpful beginning March of 2024. This is a rich time of spending time in prayer and growing in prayer, growing as a prayer. We've already heard stories of how people who are inspired, because many of us are going to think, I can't do that. I can't pray with people. Just And here's what I would say. If you're interested, just show up. Just show up and see what happens. Um, because you will be encouraged. You won't be made fun of. You won't be put down. You won't be shamed because you don't pray right. There is no praying right. We just pray. And I bet you'll be encouraged with it. So we're looking for people to join that team. And uh, uh, we have a bold ask. We're looking for 50 people, 50 people that would join that team. Again, all we need is one week, one Sunday per month. That's it. That's all we're looking for, one Sunday a month, okay? And if you, if you worship in this hour, um, then you can pray in the next hour. Or if you want to pray for this hour that you regularly worship in, you can do that. Uh, however you want to divide it up. But for one Sunday per month, we're looking for uh, teams of people that would do that at both services. You don't have to commit to both services, just one. Is that clear? One Sunday, one service per month. 
Okay. If you're interested in that, there's a sign-up sheet at the hub um, with that logo next to it, and uh, you can start signing up. Well, again, we'll start in March. We wanted to start maybe hopefully when the weather um, wasn't so bad, but I guess we could have started today. The weather's pretty good today. But pray with us, will you? The whole goal of this is to encourage you to pray with us. Now, real quick, just want to drop a couple thoughts in your head. Next week, we start a new series, a three-week series called Married Life Matters. And uh, we're going to talk to uh, we're, we're going to talk about how, how we can rediscover God's design of marriage. Um, Amy and I uh, sat down with our young adults uh, last week, our young adult group, and we kind of picked their brain. What would you love to hear about marriage? As a single young adult, what would you love to hear about marriage? So we picked their brain and hopefully incorporate some of those thoughts. But we want to take three weeks. Um, all of our married men in the room, we're helping you out. Because how many of you noticed when we're starting this? Have you looked at your calendar yet? We're helping you out, all right? It starts on the 11th. No, not Super Bowl Sunday. What's happening later that week? Valentine's Day, helping you out. I tell you, guys, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you an assist as much as I can, all right? It's up to you to carry the ball the rest of the way. So we're going to do three weeks, Married Life Matters, uh, and then hit that. And then in March, we're going to do three weeks called um, um, Third Voices, called Third Voices, that from the counsel of many comes wisdom. And so we're going to, we're going to do that. We'll unpack that a little bit later. And then, and then we're, into, we're into Palm Sunday and Holy Week. Can you believe we're already at Easter? Already there. So... It's a good next couple of months. We're excited about what's coming up. I hope you are too. I hope that this has been a good series for you. I hope it challenges you in prayer. I hope it helps you um, uh, challenge yourself to want to pray more and to approach God with intimacy and trust, knowing that he's a good father who is sovereign and powerful to deliver us into the goodness that he has for us. Will you stand as we pray? Father, this morning we, we are reminded of just how much you love us and you care about us. And we ask you today to encourage our hearts, to strengthen our prayer time. Specifically, we ask you to please help us resist the temptation that enters our lives today. Not in our own strength, not in our own power, but reminding ourselves that you are the one who delivers. Help us with that. That when the temptation comes and when we feel it rising and boiling, that our hearts would turn to you, that we would cry out, God, deliver me. Help And we stand assured of that in this beautiful, powerful, invigorating benediction that yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And so God, as we leave today, help us to go out into the world in peace, 
to have courage, to hold on to what is good, to honor all men and strengthen the faint-hearted, to support the weak, to help the suffering, to share the gospel. Help us to love and serve you, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with us all. In the name of Christ, who together with the Father and the Holy Spirit reigns now and forever. Amen and amen.